guys. I'm really lucky right now to have a one-of-a-kind guest with me. It's Mr. Justin Colby. Hi, Justin. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm great. So, Justin, let's let's hit the subject right away. I, I you know, I've done a little bit of research on you, and you know, I had the chance also to talk to you at the event that we met. Yeah. And um, I saw that you had a degree in UCLA. Been an entrepreneur pretty much since 2006. And uh, I also saw that you, you have a really great podcast that I was listening to also, and which, which is really, really educating to uh, a lot of people. Yeah. And uh, right away, one of my questions would be like, because uh, a lot of people, you know, told me this, like, if, if you, you know, if you give away all that education like this, uh, how do you feel about like competition? And are you, aren't you forming your own competition while doing this? What do you think about this? I don't view it that way. I think, you know, very specifically here in Phoenix market, there's five million, it's a population of 5 million. Right. And so, um, I'm not even, I mean, I'm doing 10 deals a month, 12 deals a month, 15 deals a month. And there's thousands of transactions done every single month. So I'm, I'm not even scratching the surface on how many deals I actually can do. And even if you're in a small market, the reality is those people are going to quit before you. Right. And so it's just a matter of understanding that this isn't a competition. There's more than enough out there for absolutely everybody. Um, it's just about, are you going to be the person that continues to have fortitude um, and endurance when the going gets tough, right? When people want to use the excuse, my market has too much competition. Well, are you that person that's going to use the excuse? Or are you the person to say, there's more than enough opportunity for me. I just need to go find it. Awesome. Yeah, totally agree with you. I'm totally about collaboration instead of competition. Absolutely, 100%. And uh, let me ask you this question. Since you uh, you went to UCLA, obviously you were in Los Angeles. What yep. made you choose Phoenix Market? Well, so I started in 07 and that was right when everything was in turmoil. And so I lived in California. Well, the California prices were incredibly high. Yeah. Um, and at the time, Phoenix started selling at like... 50% of what it was a year ago. And then all of a sudden 25%, like the barrier of entry to get into your first flip or wholesale deal here in Phoenix was so much lower than the state of California. And so it was a no brainer for me on top of which, um, one of my best friends and business partners was here. Um, so he was already living here. He was like, dude, why don't you just move out to Phoenix? Let's do this in Phoenix, not back in California. It just made sense, right? I had no real commitment or attachment to California the barrier of entry was way lower here in Phoenix. And so between those two, it was done deal. Makes sense. Totally makes sense. Yeah. And uh, can you tell me a little bit about like how, how, how did you start? What was your first deal? Yeah. So it took me nine months to get my first deal. So for all of those out there that are struggling to get the first check, their first deal, trust me when I tell you, I did this business full time. I had no other job. This was my only business. It still took me nine months. I was college educated, I was young, I was youth, but it was, it was by brute force. And what I mean by that is looking back on it, I was doing what still works for me today, which was cold calling. I was cold calling realtors because at the time I didn't have a mentor, I had no mastermind, I had no one advising me. So all I knew was, well, realtors have properties, why not call realtors? I didn't know to go direct to seller at the time. And so I would make 100 calls a day to, to realtors every single day. 
tell them what I'm looking for, tell them how that we could work together, tell them how it benefits them, what's in it for them, and hopefully they would bring me a deal. And so nine months later, uh, we got our first deal under contract and flipped within you know 48 hours and uh, we were using transactional funding at the time and made all of $7,000 in nine months. And I, like I said, I had a business partner, so we split the 7,000. Well, that's not a whole lot of money, right? No. Uh, and so that's how it happened. And then uh, a month later, we got a second deal, which tends to happen. Once you can get your first deal, that momentum, that, that confidence, that energy tends to roll. So the best time to go get your second deal is right after your first deal. Don't take your foot off the gas, press harder, because you have the confidence, you have the momentum, you have that energy moving in the right direction. That's the best time to do it. So from there, we made another $7. So in our first, or 7,000, made all of $14,000 in our first year. Now, mind you, I had no other income, neither did my business partner. So we were still very, very, very poor, to say the yeah. least. I was sleeping on the couch. Um, but after that, we were able to get six deals done. We invested in coaching. I'm a big, big, big believer investing in, in education. Um, I still join masterminds. I run three masterminds. I still hire coaches. I still have, um, you know, a lot of mentors in my life that I still tap on as resources. And so that was our first taste of that back in year number two, since, you know, we did six deals, made a little bit more money and then realized we needed a little something different beyond that. Awesome. So you talk a lot about education and mastermind. And I want to tap into that because I, I think it's really interesting. And you do host a mastermind, which I actually am going in Dallas. Awesome. We're probably going to meet. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'd love to see you there. Uh, I want to know, like, what did it change for you, like having a mastermind and like mentors and all that? Would you would you say that it would you pay for, to have a mentor if you if you can't find any mentor around you that are doing? Yeah. So here's the difference, right? A business owner or entrepreneur looks at it as an investment. Yeah. A employee looks at it as a cost, right? So a normal Joe might say, this is a cost. I can't afford it. Myself, yourself, entrepreneurs, investors. Now to keep it a little more general, entrepreneurs, because there's more than just investors. Um, that is an investment in yourself, just like you invest in marketing. Same idea, right? And so if you don't view it that way, you need to change how you think because that's really what it is. Why wouldn't you want to be around people that have been doing it longer, have been doing it wronger longer so they can help you avoid those mistakes? I mean, that's a lot of what I do with my private clients. I take on private clients as, as an advisor or a coach. And a lot of it is I've just been doing it almost 12 years now. They've been doing it, you know, not even 12 days, right? Or whatever it may be. So I can help them avoid the pitfalls, right? And, and one of them being marketing, right? Where to spend your money, how to spend your money, what avenue, what strategy. So I try to guide that. Um, but I still reinvest a lot of money every single year into my own masterminds I, I join, into coaching that I hire. I'm still a massive believer in that. So still up to this point, you still invest in mastermind coaching? Oh, 100%. Yeah. 100%. Great. Yeah. Awesome. And like at what point would you like, would you say that you start having a team around you? Because uh, you probably plateau at a certain point and, be, you know, you said like, okay, if I want to grow up, I need other people around me. Yeah. So for us, we probably did it slower than I would help advise. Um, I think it was year six. We started hiring and bringing people into our world. 
and it wasn't even that we wanted or tried to do it. It was actually someone wanted to do it with us. Hey, I want to work for you guys. And we were like, oh, okay. <laughs> and that's how it happened, right? So it wasn't like we had this great idea. It was more someone came to us. And so because of that, um, we've had a team ever since and still have a team today. And now we're in Phoenix and San Antonio. Um, and so it's, it's great. Great. So it kind of happened by accident. About, I want to say something about hiring. All right. I think people listen to myself or my business partner, Sean Terry, Kent Clothier, and they talk about scaling a business and growing a business and hiring. And I'll be honest, there is a caveat to that. You need to be making enough money to do that. A lot of people want to do it after they get one or two or three or four or five or even 20 deals done. Oh, I want to start hiring. Understand with hiring and building a team, you're taking your eye off what's already making you money, which is the acquisition, right? And so yeah. I'm very cognizant of, and I put a dollar amount and I say no one in my world should hire unless that person, specifically that person, that entrepreneur, that business owner is putting 250 grand in their pocket. I'm taking it home with me in my bank account, not doing top line revenue, subtract marketing, subtract JV deals. I'm saying 250 grand in your pocket. Now you can hire, right? Cause now you're busy. You're kind of at that threshold of a lot of deals are going, big deals are going, but that's my threshold. Um, I, that I just arbitrarily made up. I just feel like at that point you can make a couple mistakes and rebound financially where you're not going to drag yourself down some hole of, Oh no, I made a mistake. And now I have three months without getting deals. Yeah. And like what position would you say would be like your first hire? My first hire every time is like an admin assistant, personal assistant, yeah. executive assistant, whatever you want to say, someone who can handle the monotony of the day to day. Um, you know, when I first hired and yeah. she's still with me today, uh, she was more of just a straight personal assistant. Now she's already graduated, not already, but she's now graduated a marketing, um, coordinator. She handles all my marketing. Um, I mean, she's really been with me. She does a lot for me. She does everything for me. She has access to all my social media accounts, my calendar. Um, you name it, she has access to it. Right. Um, and I rely on her. I mean, she runs my life basically. Um, and so my point to that being is when you first hire, I want someone that's going to handle maybe paying bills. Like if you're a rehabber and you're listening to this, turning on and off utilities, paying the utility bills. Um, I mean, there was times where when we first hired her, we had nothing for her to do. So we were just like, Hey, can you, can you pay this bill? Can you get us lunch? Can we, you know, we just made stuff up. But when you're already in business, that person's going to be handling transactional coordinating, maybe um, handling some of your marketing, handling things like picking up lunch for you, things like, you know, being the gateway to you. So she screens all your emails. She screens the calls, all of that stuff, because those are the things that don't necessarily make you money. You need to be yeah. focused on things that make you money. I see. Great. Well, what do you think would be like your, your great, your biggest failure, like growing up? Cause you said you've done a lot of mistakes. Yeah. I think of two and both times we did it for the payday. So we went after deals, one a development, another was a big rehab flip. And they were both financial failures, but there were massive learning lessons, right? And that's what I'm able to take away from that is, you know, this is, this is an education of hard knocks. I paid more for the education than I have ever have for uh, a mentor or a coach or a mastermind. And that's what I 
the reason why I still believe in that so much is because if I would have had someone to help guide me, and by the way, when I made those mistakes, I did have people I could call. I just thought I knew better. And that's what so often is the case, right? Um, and so it was a development deal. The first one was a development deal. The second one was a big rehab flip. Both were financial disasters. Um, not only did I lose money, private lenders lost money, you know, it was just bad. And it was, and the reason we went down those paths, which I'm a very straightforward wholesaler, single family homes, townhome condos, straightforward. I've done 350 rehabs, but they were all basic kind of cookie cutter homes. There wasn't any extensive, crazy $100,000 plus rehabs. I mean, it was just, so um, every time I've gone out to chase the money, because I saw, oh, there's a quarter million dollar, you know, profit in this rehab, let's go do it. Or, you know, there's $8 million profit in this development, let's go do it. I got taken away from what I actually am really good at, which is finding the deal, creating the deal and making those 15, 20, $25,000 pops, a lot of them, right? And so um, it's always chasing the money, it's always getting, uh, I don't want to say outside your comfort zone because that's really important to do as an entrepreneur is you got to maintain outside your comfort zone. But it was yep. definitely um, shiny object syndrome, right? I was presented opportunities because yep. when you become more, more and more successful, people are going to give you more and more opportunity. So I got those opportunities and I started picking ones that didn't fit my strength. And when that happens, you can, you can make some mistakes. And I see. So would you say that your, your biggest trench would be like the mom and pop house that would you make like 20, 25,000? Totally. Cookie cutter, yeah. normal, you know, buy from $50,000 to 250, 300 grand. They usually are going to take, you know, 30 to $50,000 in rehab max. You're going to have a great young couple buy it, or you're going to have someone, you know, a rental property, you know, it's a, just an easy rehab and or buy and hold opportunity for the right investor. Um, and so those are my strength, right? And so I've rehabbed 350 of those types. Um, I actually started in the business backwards. I, you know, I teach people to start wholesaling, but I started rehabbing first. Um, I just had some buddies and whatnot that had some money. I had the ability to use that money for rehabbing. Uh, obviously, HGTV was starting up, so it was more sexy. Um, but I'll tell you now, if I can avoid rehabbing, I'm going to avoid it at all costs. It's kind of like the, the mistake of so much beginner, you know, they, like you said, they see like the TV shows and all that stuff and yeah. it looks like really sexy. So they all want to do rehab. hundred percent. Yeah. And, uh, were you doing the work yourself or were you hiring? No, no, no. I was hiring it. Yeah. Okay. Which then, you know, lessens your profit margin, but dude, I don't, you know, I'm not going to go do the work. That was never my trade, right? I went to UCLA. I was an English major. I was never contractor in construction, which I have massive respect for. Um, yep. but it limits our profit margin, right? When we're rehabbing, because I got to pay them an extra 10% on the rehab. Yeah. So, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And what do you think about, like you said, you, uh, you're now in San Antonio market. What do you think about remote wholesaling or, uh, like virtual wholesaling? Yeah. Virtual wholesaling, yeah. investing in a different market. So here's the thing. I love it but a lot of people want to go to a different market for the wrong reasons. Okay. So they're, they're answering the wrong thing. I have a friend, yeah. Joe McCall, he's awesome at virtual wholesaling. Um, and I have other friends, you know, I have clients, personal clients of mine that live in Canada and wholesale in Austin. So I know it, 
Um, I taught them how to do, I mean, it's awesome. We're doing it in San Antonio, but a lot of people do it for the wrong reasons. Meaning my Canadian clients are doing it because they can't, their market's different. You can't pull lists in their market. Like privacy is a major thing. They can't market the exactly. same way here. So now that's why they're doing it virtually. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people do it because they want, they have too much competition. Their market is different and all these other BS excuses that they want to make up. Right. And there are such minimal amount of markets that are that small, right? Where there's a population of a hundred. That's so rare. I'm speaking to the normal person that lives in any of the major cities from, you know, San Antonio, every major city in Texas, uh, California, New York, Miami, you know, the, that's more common. That's what I'm talking to. Don't do it because you think there's too much competition. The reality is if you look at the numbers and look at the transactions and how many were transacted, transacted, and then you go find all of the cash buyers, cash transactions, I bet you're not even 1% of all of the cash investor transactions that are out there. You're doing it for the wrong reason. So I love it. Um, I think it takes a skill. It takes a certain ability to do everything over the phone, build a report over the phone, but also kind of build a virtual team of sorts. Um, it takes trust, right? Because you're going to trust someone to help you out with these deals. Um, and it takes a set of management skills that most people don't have because you have to hyper manage your leads, manage anyone that you may may not have on the street, have a set of follow-up skills and cold calling skills that you have to follow up with these leads when they come in. Right? So it's a beautiful model. Um, I don't know if it's ever, well, it just depends on how you want to build it. Right. I, I love it. I just don't want you to do it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So, and the wrong reason, you know, like you said, would be like to, you know, assuming that there's too much competition or totally. assuming that your market is not that good, which actually it's not that true because every market could be good. Yep. But what about those, uh, like you said, the Canadian client that are mm -hmm. with you, like, because might be a lot of Canadian looking at this. Yeah. Because I'm in Montreal. So, yeah. And uh, like, what would you recommend? Like, about choosing the right market or choosing just choosing a market for them? Like what would be the criteria for them? I would want to see the cash transactions, right? How many cash transactions happen? You can find that in MLS. You can find it in Kent Clothier's um, Find Motive, or I'm sorry, Find Cash Buyers Now. Um, you can ask your agents to pull that list for you. You can ask title companies, escrow companies. Um, I would look at the cash transactions and then I would also look at the up and coming, you know, cities, meaning do they have sports teams? Are there things people want to go live and be there for? Um, what are the, the economic and social influences of that area? You know, the middle, middle America is opening up a lot of manufacturer um, plants, right? Where they're making yeah. cars like BMW opened one in North Carolina or South Carolina. Mercedes is going to open one. Toyota is going to like those middle American cities can be huge because there's going to be a lot of jobs. So people got to live there. Um, so you want to look at those things, but really you just want to look at the volume of transactions because it's all a marketing play anyways. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what you want to look at. Great. So volume of transaction. Good. And like, let's transcend to like the, like the mindset and the, the, the personal growth all around this because any business need like you have to grow 
and I've been listening to like all these podcasts and everything. They say, hey, you have to, you know, grow up, just be, you know, do something bigger than yourself and whatever. Yeah. Uh, like, what do you think like I've made a difference for you? Like compared to like every other wholesaler, flipper or whatever that didn't succeed or, you know, didn't yeah. there anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm a big reader. I have a bookcase here. And then as I travel now, I do audible more just because it's hard for me to read on planes. I tend to get nauseous. So I'm doing more and more audible, which is great. So I try to keep my ability to learn and have a good mindset going at all times, right? I also find time for myself. I think one thing people don't do is they focus on themselves. You do have to fill your tank. Working out, meditating, yoga, reading, quiet time, right? Alone, just not being around people, not answering your phone, not looking at social media. Those are things that help me continue to be able to have the energy it takes to do what I do, right? Um, you know, I'm a, either a founder or part owner of over seven different companies. Um, and so it's one of those things that, you know, being a big student is always massive. Again, reinvesting in education. You know, I've gone to Tony Robbins twice. And I went to him twice in 2018. Um, I went and paid to spend private time. Um, and I guess that sounds bad, but, uh, to get some one-on-one -on -one coaching from Gary V. Right. I've been, you know, surrounding myself with people that are always bigger and better and have the right mindset. And so, so again, being a big student, continuing to not be closed minded, continuing to know I can be better. Um, and a lot of that, there's a lot of great mindset books, right? And it's just, you know, in, in documentaries now, I just watched an incredible documentary called Heal on Netflix. It's all about your mind body um, ability and how powerful your mind really is. I mean, you can literally get rid of stage five cancer if you utilize your mind right. Um, Isn't that crazy, actually? Yeah, it's a great documentary called Heal yeah. on Netflix. So all that kind of stuff, I just, I digest it. And then I also give my time, myself time to digest it, right? So I take it in, now I actually like think about that. And then I just, I'm naturally competitive. I always wonder, why are people further along than I'm at at my age? What do I need to be doing, right? Um, and then filling your tank first, having time for yourself, I think is more powerful than people give it credit for, right? And those are whatever that is. I mean, planting, gardening, right? Like cooking, reading, meditating, yoga, all that stuff is really keeps you moving forward. Yeah, that, that's some great advice, guys. If you're listening to this, books, working out, meditation. You know, invest in yourself, your surroundings, really important, being open-minded, always be learning some good keys right there. What do you think about like having a partner? Like, did you guys kept yourself accountable? Yeah, I think partnerships are funny. That's another funny topic. Uh, the reason being is a lot of people partner because they're scared to do it alone. And that's not the right reason to partner. The right reason to partner would be simply um, or I don't want to say the right reason, but something that would make at least more logical sense is this guy has this set of skills and that could be organizational spreadsheet, you know, accountability, math, management, COO type. This person is creative, the driver, the visionary, the rainmaker, but this person likely can't do what this person can because the skill sets are different. That is a better reason to partner then I'm kind of just scared to go out there on my own. 
another reason why people partner is, oh, well, he has money. And so let's partner and we'll split everything. We'll use your money. You can go, there's a lot of money out there. Um, I've had marketing partners in the past where, you know, someone said, hey, I got a bunch of money. What should I do with it? And I said, well, I, I might need some money to spend on marketing for a business loan. Would you be willing to? And then any deals that get done, I give you a percentage of that, right? It was just a loan for my business. Um, there's a lot of money out there if you ask, if you know what you're looking for. And so those are the wrong reasons to partner. The right reasons primarily are you find someone that has a different skill set than you that betters you. Usually this is like a visionary will find an operator, right? You know, yeah. a COO type because they have all the vision, creative and the drive. COO may have the drive and some of those things, but they really also have the organization the systemization, uh, the structure to be able to take it in. So I, so not necessarily just partnering with a friend and like, how would you say like you would find those people? Let's say that you, you know, a little bit of your own strength, you're good at this and this, but how would you look for someone that has the exact opposite quality that you don't have? Yeah. Um, And that's why I don't love partners because you can hire that person. <laughs> I would rather someone go out and hire a COO than go try to partner with them. Yeah. And I definitely don't suggest necessarily people going out and just partnering with a friend. I just don't think that that's the right move. Partly because it breaks up the friendship. Because um, it is way more, and I couldn't give you a percentage, but drastically more partnerships fail than succeed. It's a marriage. True. And so just like any relationship, you know, you're in it. And then when money gets good, it's all good. But then when money gets tough, you know, things, things start to change a little bit. So I would, I'd highly recommend don't partner, actually hire those roles. Yeah, I see. Yeah. I always say that when you put someone in boiling water, not literally, but in a tough situation, that's mm -hmm. when you see the real character. Yep. Yeah, so true. And you, you touched a little bit about marketing um, and you said you were doing a lot of cold call, yeah. which, which is your trench. What, what other marketing are you using? So we do six different strategies, PBC, cold calling, direct mail, bandit signs, driving for dollars and voicemail drops. The one that always gets left out is the networking. That is a great way to get your bottom line up. Meaning, it's a free deal. Someone brought you the deal. You brought the buyer. Maybe you brought the buyer, or you brought the deal. They brought the buyer. Whatever. Um, networking is a massive um, influx in our bottom line. I mean, we don't do 10 deals a month through networking, um, but we can do a couple. Yeah. Right? So you're using pretty much like any feasible way to market. Absolutely. And like, if it uh, how. How much would be your uh, your marketing budget every month just to you know to have an idea if can, that if you want to do 10, my marketing budget yeah upwards of forty thousand dollars a month mm -hmm. okay just to, so but that's why it's yeah i don't always like saying that because there's a lot of, i mean the majority of the people that are probably listening to this are like i make that in a given year right or whatever yeah. uh, you got to start somewhere so it's a lot easier for me to say you have to trust that marketing works. That's all I talk about. For those of you that follow me on Instagram or Facebook, all I talk about is marketing, 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 because marketing works. 
And the old school still works. The door knocking still works. The cold calling still works. So those of you that don't have the money, they don't have the budget I have, you need to be doing what takes your time. You're going to spend something. You're going to spend time. You're going to spend money. You might even spend both. But if you don't have the money, you got to spend your time. So you got to cold call. You got to door knock. You got to do, you know, voicemail drops, the cheaper things, right? Um, it signs, direct mail, PPC, they can get more expensive because you're buying something. Yeah. PPC, which, you know, guys at home, if you don't know, it's pay-per-click on Google, just to be sure. But yeah, yeah, I think you're totally right about this, that not everything costs a lot of money. Like driving for a dollar, knocking on doors, making cold calls doesn't cost a lot of money. Totally. So I would start with that first. Great point. And um, what, where do you say you're going? Like, where are you going next? Like to the point that you are right now, what would be the next step for you? Um, I have a couple of different ventures that I'm looking at. Um, I love what we're doing right now with the real estate space. Um, San Antonio is now becoming much more profitable. Uh, Phoenix is now the bottom line in Phoenix. I'm really kind of whittling the bottom line because it's great to make a bunch of money, top line revenue, but if you don't get to keep it, then what's the point, right? So I really like where I'm at with that space. Um, I'm part owner of a title company. I have an Amazon business. I have a bunch of different stuff that I'm going to remove and add to. So, you know, my big thing is to be more efficient with what we do. I think efficiency and focus, extreme focus is going to be big for me for 2019. Um, and then there's a couple opportunities that I think I'm going to look at to, to continue to grow and do more and create more. I'm big on creating. So we'll see where those lead. So extreme focus, meaning that you would be like really clear on what you want and focus on only like a couple of things. Correct. Like focus on Phoenix, focus on San Antonio, focus on coaching. I do take on one-on-one clients. Um, and so focus on the handful of clients that I do have and, in um, take on and, you know, just create that life that is, um, that I want versus then that I have to, or forced to. Yeah. You, you feel like, uh, like cause flipping and wholesaling is pretty much like always like running after a deal, always looking for a deal. You feel like you're always running, always to have to push to find a deal. And would you, would you like put your money? Yeah. Well, if you focus on marketing, I mean, that's all you have to do. Just focus on marketing and that could be cold calling every day or driving for dollars every single day. So if you just put your focus on marketing, you will win unless you quit. So I would tell you, you know, that's the only reason why people don't win is they quit. All this direct mail thing doesn't work or this PPC doesn't work or this cold calling doesn't work or whatever, whatever. They all work. I do them all. Right. And so, um, yeah, you're all, it's marketing and sales. The business isn't flipping. The business is marketing and sales. And so totally for those of you that want a marketing degree, this is the business you want to be in because that's what we do. So um, I don't look at it as always trying to fight for another deal. I look at it as how do I get my marketing better? That's how I look at it. Good point. Yeah, really good point. I totally see. And um, why? I know you have a really good podcast, but people might not know. So where can like people that might listen to this can find you? Yeah. The, the science of flipping is the podcast on iTunes. Um, I also, I mean, I have a lot, you can just find me at the science of Um, what I would tell you is this, anyone that's listening to this, go follow me on social media, the Justin Colby on Instagram, the Justin Colby on Facebook. I give away a credible amount of knowledge. I give away a content every day. Every day I'm doing lives. 
uh, to share with you guys what I, you know, what maybe happened last yesterday with the team, or maybe if I had, if I was involved in something. And so follow me on, on Instagram and Facebook, the Justin Colby, it will help you get a bunch of free content that you don't have to pay for, um, and see what I'm up to and, and doing. Absolutely. I think you're, you're so right about this. I've been following you and Sean Terry for, you know, for quite a time and yep. guys, uh, you know, you give absolute, absolutely amazing tips and literally like everything you need to know from A to Z. Yeah. So thank you guys for sharing. Keep going. And all the Facebook live also that you're doing like before appointment or, you know, on a certain subject and also the podcast, which is really, really good guys. Justin Colby's crushing it. If you want to really know how, how it works, follow this guy. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Justin, it's been amazing. Thank you very much for being on this podcast. Thank you for sharing everything. And guys, like, go see Justin. Or else, <laughs> just unsubscribe from here. And whatever you're doing, stop doing it. But if you're really serious about flipping, wholesaling, and all that real estate investing, go and follow him. All right? Appreciate it. Until Thanks, then. Dude. Thank you for being here. Ciao, guys. Bye.